You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. This is our special show. This is Critical Mass Manufacturing Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show is live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. All of our shows can be heard exclusively here on Internet radio station octalkradio.net. We're broadcasting from their state-of-the-art studios here in the Tech Space Facilities in beautiful downtown Costa Mesa. Actually, I don't know if they're downtown or not. I just made that up. We're on Bristol here at Sunflower. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to the show live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, and we thank them for their continued support. Smart Stop Self Storage, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better and more informed decisions. If you're listening to the show live today and you'd like to join in the conversation that I have planned with Lisa Anderson, president and founder of LMA Consulting Group, then find the community chat room section of octalkradio.net's website, log in with your Twitter handle. This will connect you to our engineer, who today is none other than Paul Roberts. Paul will bring your thoughts and ideas to my attention, and as I said, hopefully I can figure out how to work them into the conversation that I have planned with Lisa. I've asked Lisa to join the show today to discuss how manufacturing companies can benefit from focusing on their supply chain. Lisa has expertise in helping her clients with supply chain management and is the author of Leveraging Social Networks to Drive Business Results. She is our featured guest today here on the Manufacturing Show, and I'm excited to have her in the program. So let's turn our attention to Lisa Anderson. Lisa, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Let's start by asking you to talk a little bit about your professional background and your path to starting LMA Consulting Group. Well, I started my career as a planning and distribution supervisor at Coca-Cola Enterprises and followed with roles that covered almost every aspect of the supply chain at a plastic injection molder and absorbent paper packs, paper products manufacturer. And my tenure at the paper products manufacturer included transitions and promotions through the company transformation of a $100 million family-owned business, through a merger and acquisition of three businesses into one $350 million global company. Uh, following the success, my success in the Office of Transition Management, I was promoted to the Vice President of Supply Chain and Operations and was a part of the manage, management leveraged buyout in combination with an investment banking group. And following um, my career, I decided to uh, start a consulting practice as a way to fulfill my passion of partnering with manufacturers and distributors to find opportunities to raise the bar. In essence, finding hidden opportunities and and partnering with clients to deliver results. I find that folks often don't realize their potential and it's exhilarating to partner with them to uh, drive tangible results and to create positive, positive momentum within the client's culture. Lisa, it seems to me through the early part of your career up to the point of uh, being vice president of supply chain management, you had quite a diverse set of experiences, even though it was sort of, I think, within the same company as it grow as it grew and evolved. That's what it sounds like to me: is going from 100 million to, I think you said 350 million. That's a being a part of a leveraged buyout. These are wonderful experiences to have as a professional. 
Oh, I was very fortunate to be able to have those experiences. It's why I can do what I do today uh, successfully. It was a great learning experience, and it was also um, a really exciting team environment in order to take the company through that sort of transformation. I was meeting with a uh, owner of a manufacturing firm here in Huntington Beach earlier today talking about having him on a future episode of our manufacturing version of Critical Mass Radio Show. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the manufacturing show airs twice a month here in either this time slot or in the Wednesday time slot. So be watching for our news releases on our manufacturing show this show is all about topics of interest to manufacturing companies, value-added distributors. Let me say that other businesses can learn from the experiences of manufacturing companies, and I would encourage you to listen to future episodes of Critical Mass Manufacturing Show. But if you're a manufacturer or a value-added distributor, or you know a manufacturing company or a, man- or a value-added distributor, please tell them about our program, because we're going to focus on guests like Lisa Anderson. So let's talk about LMA Consulting Group. What is it that you do? What's what's different about your consulting practice? And just share a little bit about why clients choose to work with you. Well, the preponderance of my firm's consulting projects focus on supply chain management. And so we're known in the industry as the strongest link in your supply chain from a content perspective. From a process perspective, I think what boils down to two differentiators. Uh, The first is an eagle-eye strategic focus, which allows us to rapidly assess and select critical priorities, which will have the greatest impact on an organization. I find that that's often overlooked as companies have 10,000 priorities to accomplish at once. The second uh, differentiator is, is that once those priorities are identified, then we partner with the executives to make it happen. And that involves, most often, a hands-on ability to implement change while developing leaders and teams to ensure that the uh, program is sustainable long-term. We were talking when I, I was mentioning the uh, manufacturing CEO that I was meeting with earlier today, and we were, we were talking about how much cost is really tied up in your supply chain and how by focusing on it, and you don't have to be a $350 million manufacturer, in my experience, to get significant benefit from really applying best practices in supply chain management. Small manufacturing companies, in my experience, a couple million dollar manufacturing companies can really benefit as well from focusing on their relationships and learning best practices in supply chain management. Is is that your experience as well, Lisa? Yeah. Actually, I'm thrilled that supply chain management is gaining its due respect in manufacturing and distribution distribution companies, I'm seeing that clients are much more interested in the topic of supply chain management, and they're also showing this interest by either assigning an executive position to it or making sure that supply chain is represented in the um, the key meetings or executive suite. And it's more than whittling down your supply chain to the least number of suppliers that you could possibly afford to do business with who can cover all of your needs. I mean, you were VP of supply chain management and it's really in my experience it's management it's development there's a lot of partnering potential that manufacturing companies have with their supply chain if they understand what others are doing in the marketplace that are getting value and benefit for other companies who may not be their competitors right 
Oh, absolutely. A supply chain is all about collaboration. I view the supply chain as inclusive of from your supplier's supplier through your manufacturing environment and outsourced uh, manufacturing environments to your customer's customer and the distribution uh, environment and logistics to get it there. So there are countless partners, uh, and I find that, uh, to your point, there are substantial um, opportunities for uh, not only saving costs but increasing revenue and improving margins uh, by focusing on supply chain collaboration in the supply chain and also you know, supply chain programs. Plus, it makes having worked in a manufacturing company and led Delphi Connection Systems for, and I was working there for seven years. You know, a significant manufacturer here in, in Southern California. It, not only are there partnership opportunities, but it actually, through intelligent application of supply chain management, it increases your company's ability to be responsive to your customer needs. I I love the fact that you said managing supply chain goes up a level or two out to your supply base, but also up a level or two into your customer base, your customer's customer as well. And that's a very holistic. It's amazing how many different touch points you have when you look that deep into the relationships going both into your supply base and out into your customer base, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And you bring up a, a really good point. I'm seeing a definite trend in the last one to two years of service as a uh, elevated priority. So what I mean by that is either um, customers are demanding more for less and quicker, right. or you know they, they're looking to uh, straighten out past service issues from resulting from the recession or various uh, process issues that have happened in the past. So service and lead times and time in general are real uh, critical priorities today. We're going to take our first commercial time out, Lisa. When we come back, I'm going to ask you if you could share with us of all the things that you've learned uh, both as an employee and an executive and also now as an entrepreneur, founder, and president, of all the things you've learned in business, if, if you've developed a guiding principle, kind of an overarching belief system for how you're developing and growing LMA Consulting Group. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. I'm speaking with Lisa Anderson, president and founder of LMA Consulting Group. We're talking about all things supply chain, manufacturing, value-added distribution, and others. I'm glad you're listening to us today live or in the future as a podcast. We'll be right back in about 60 seconds after these words from our commercial sponsors. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. 
can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Welcome back to this edition, this special edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. This is our manufacturing show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. I checked right earlier today before the show, and for the past 30 days, you have downloaded collectively over 10,000 copies of the Critical Mass Radio Shows. What's interesting when I looked at the data, ladies and gentlemen, is about half of the total downloads came from the recent shows that we aired live here on octalkradio.net. The other half of the shows came from our archives of shows that go all the way back to our original show with Paul Roberts of West Coast Marketing back in March of 2009. And so I want to thank you not only for your interest in our recent podcast, but also seeking out shows from the past because we work very hard here on Critical Mass Radio Show Series to keep our shows timely but also timeless. All shows can be heard on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. All of our shows can be found as well from our website, which is criticalmass4forbusiness.com. All right, let's return to our interview that I'm doing today with Lisa Anderson here on the Manufacturing Show. She's the president and founder of LMA Consulting Group. Lisa, I said before the break I was going to ask you to talk about your guiding principle. Would you share that with our audience, please? Absolutely. You know, for somebody who focuses on manufacturing and distribution, it might seem uh, different. But my guiding principle is, is that we're all in the relationship business. And I find this to be just as true for my manufacturing and distribution clients as it is for my consulting practice. For example, at Paper Pack, I merged three cultures into two with two divergent philosophies. One was process-oriented and bureaucratic a bit, and the other was an entrepreneurial, fix-it-on-the-run sort of culture, into one from a people, process, systems, and product standpoint. And without exception, I found that people and culture trump technical expertise, even on the most technical topics. Although, of course, it should be an assumption, what's critical to achieving results were the people and the culture. And so I... Um, believe that we're in a relationship business and that that achieves substantial success. Success, And so it leads back to your comments on collaboration earlier. You know, I know you do a lot of your consulting work around supply chain management, and I'm wondering if you might be able to just spend a few minutes and describe how manufacturing firms and value-added uh, distributors and resellers, I'm, I'm, I say manufacturing and I mean a broader brush than purely manufacturing companies, but you, you kind of know what I mean, manufacturing firms. How do they benefit from focusing on their supply chain? Can you give us some recent examples? I'm not asking for any confidential information, but I, I would just like some people out there, maybe leaders who haven't spent the time to focus on supply chain, to understand how you're able to help other clients and what they realize as a benefit. Oh, absolutely. I uh, see three key benefits, and I'll give you some examples of each. Uh, the first is increased revenues which come largely through improved service levels, uh, reduced lead times, and customer partnership programs. And for example, in this case, uh, 
there was an opportunity to do a vendor-managed inventory uh, program with a key customer. And actually, I've done this a couple of times with a few different clients. And so by partnering with the key customer and keeping their inventory levels at whatever was required to ensure high service levels according to their metrics, optimizing both our inventory and the customer's inventory, we're able to uh, reduce inventory in one case by 40 to 50 percent. And in the other case, the inventory levels weren't the concern, but the service level was the issue. And so we were able to improve service levels dramatically. We've, we went from being a, uh, well, not on the scoreboard in terms of service into being a gold-level service provider and actually one supplier of the year. So that's the first one is revenue. The second would be increased margins and profits. And an example here would be working with a client currently on implementing a sales and operations planning process. And that's all about collaborating through the supply chain. So in essence, coming up with a demand forecast that goes out to your customer's customer and translating that into what we need to do internally from a manufacturing standpoint and what we need to do uh, from a supply standpoint in terms of outsourced products, uh, materials, and capacity, etc., and finding a way to align demand with supply. And by doing that and bringing the organization together, we were able to uh, not only improve margins by uh, 30%, but also we were able to increase margins. Did I say margins? Yes, improve service by 30% and increase margins up substantially as well. Okay. And the third uh, uh, piece would be to accelerate cash flow. And so here, actually some of the prior examples um, I gave you would relate back to reducing inventory levels while maintaining a service, and I could probably give you a few more if you had the extra time. Well, it's interesting because inventory can be spelled a different way, and it is cash, isn't it? Because the more dollars you have tied up in inventory, I mean, generally speaking, that's less cash the business has to deploy in other areas for other purposes. So from a from a business model that requires you to have inventory, if you're listening to us either live or off of iTunes or Stitcher as a podcast, you're probably shaking your head as a business leader, realizing how important it is to have the right level of inventory, not too much and not too little, just the right amount, because it really does return cash to the business. As you said, helps with cash flow and velocity of cash in the business. Absolutely. I would say that... 70% of my projects uh, relate back to inventory in some way or another or even higher percentages. As you said, manufacturers and value-add distributors, it's, it's significant. We can bring every dollar you can free up in inventory, in essence, can be used to uh, grow the business or invest in the business, etc. And it's an immediate um, return on that effort in that, you know, you put best-of-breed inventory practices into place and inventory management and you as you said you you flow a demand forecast out into your supply chain and your people are able to plan against that you see the benefit immediately you know in subsequent months because you're just buying less inventory using less cash it's it's not like something you have to wait in my experience it's not like something you have to wait a year or two to see the return on the investment for what you've done on your inventory you almost see immediate benefit as soon as you start to apply the best practices and principles to it. Yeah, I, I agree. It depends on the industry, but um, I've 
worked with several different industries and even the longest lead time industry, which would be, you know, take a while for the inventory to take effect, we started to see results with the inventory within a quarter. And uh, typically speaking, I'm seeing results within six weeks, a month to six weeks. I was going to say that typically speaking, from ranging from an aerospace client to building products client to healthcare products, I've seen that 30 to 50 percent inventory reduction is achievable. And that means you don't need that space, too, ladies and gentlemen. So it's not only a use of cash, it is a use of facilities. When all of a sudden you need 30 to 50 percent less raw material inventory to build and to meet the demand that you have, not because your demand's down, you're just more efficient in how you apply the practices, that gives you floor space, racking space. It's amazing what that does for the feeling of the facility as well. It really cleans it up, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's uh, It allows for uh, greater efficiencies within the warehouse and in a lot of other aspects of the business as well as a side benefit. I want to talk with you. I'm enjoying this conversation, uh, and I love to do the manufacturing show, which is our newest show here in Critical Mass in the radio show series. And when we come out of the next commercial break, which we'll be taking here in a few minutes, I'll talk with you, the audience, about the other shows that we do here on Critical Mass. But you are a published author, and I love to have published authors on the radio program. It's a chance for me to ask you about your book, Leverage Social Networks to Drive Business Results. So my first question about your latest book is, what has been the response to your book? Well, you know, I've been very fortunate. It coincided with the social media social media craze, and so it's gained quite a bit of interest. Actually, last week I had a conversation with a Los Angeles Business Journal reporter who was interested in how manufacturers and distributors specifically were utilizing social media to improve business performance. So let me ask you, how are manufacturing companies using social networks to drive business results? Can you just give us a... 30,000-foot overview of what's contained in your book? Absolutely. So the one that's most likely thought of that pops to mind would be to use social media to promote your products and your company. And so with that as an assumption, uh, my book goes more into how manufacturing and distribution can use uh, social media to improve operations. So one of the, the three ways that I see it that are the top would be one is to find and retain top talent, certainly through LinkedIn discussions and uh, other social media um, avenues. You can find people who stand out in the crowd, and that would be a um, key resource for your company. And also to retain top talent. So that's one. A second way would be social media provides a way to have 24-7 access to information, how-to videos, and value pieces so your customers can get what they want when they want it. More and more, customers are looking at uh, the Internet at 2 in the morning, and we're not here to answer the calls most of the time. And so having having information on social media that they can go to and find information that will help answer their questions is quite valuable. And the third way would be as a collaboration tool with your supply chain partners. And so I find that, for example, you can gain answers to how do I better leverage my ERP system with somebody who's been there and done that before? And so I ask a question, and before I know it, I've avoided all sorts of pitfalls by following their advice. Or I'm able to connect with customers, source suppliers. Um, we could go on for hours, but those are 
three key ways uh, that manufacturers are use, starting to utilize social media. So before we take our next commercial break, and it's a short one, it'll only be about 60 seconds, ladies and gentlemen, but I just wanted to ask you, Lisa, what was the inspiration for you to write your book? Well, I'm always looking for ways to drive results, as I said, with my uh, guiding principle and passion. It's all about providing value, and so I see that social media is a tool, and a lot of people use it to connect with old friends and college um, acquaintances. I was thinking, how is it that we can use it as a part of our business to not only promote uh, products and our pro promote our business, but how do we actually gain value from it? And so that's, you know, I was thinking about that topic, and I thought it was worth uh, detailing out. And thank you for doing that. We're going to, uh, towards the end of the show, a little later in the interview, Lisa, I'm going to ask if you can let people know kind of what your website is and how they can get a copy of your book. So hold on to that thought, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take our second commercial break here on Critical Mass, uh, the manufacturing show, with Lisa Anderson, president and founder of LMA Consulting Group. We'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business -business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. This is our manufacturing show, and I am your host, Rick Franzi. As I said, this is one in a series of radio shows that we do, all here on octalkradio.net. We do our traditional Critical Mass radio show, which features interviews with business executives and business owners from throughout the Southland. We do the manufacturing show, which focuses on topics of interest to manufacturing companies, like we're doing today with Lisa Anderson. We also do a nonprofit show, which is the last show we do each month, where we interview executive directors and board members of nonprofit organizations, again, throughout Southern California with a primary focus on here on here in Orange County, California. I also do a nationally syndicated version of the show, which is called Coast to Coast, and that show airs on Thursdays at 3 p.m. every other week. 
I know it's a little confusing. We have a lot of different properties here on Critical Mass Radio Show. All of them are in support of our overarching philosophy of the power of peer learning, and we bring thought leaders to you via octalkradio.net live and also our podcast. All right, let's return to our interview that I'm doing with Lisa Anderson. Lisa, tell me about a time that you learned a valuable lesson, but the experience might have been painful or difficult, but the lesson was well worth it. Do you have one of those experiences you can share with our audience? Sure, I have a plenty. <laughs> Relatively early in my career, I thought logic and facts were enough. So at that time, uh, I was in focused on the planning function. We were implementing a new ERP system under challenging circumstances, and they were on an aggressive timeline. I saw a deep-seated issue that would arise two or three steps down the line in the process, and it could easily be a disaster. And so I uh, communicated that to uh, the appropriate folks. Um, however, they didn't necessarily see what I was saying or see the same, uh, same issues. And so I persisted. You know, I saw us going over a cliff, so I persisted, much to the team's chagrin, <laughs> in uh, communicating my concerns. <laughs> and unfortunately, I was ignored. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I learned that if I didn't communicate clearly enough, and I, more importantly, I didn't position it in a way that was in their self-interest, people wouldn't listen. Right. And so I turned out, you know, I turned out to be right, but being right isn't necessarily, uh, wasn't really any satisfaction because, of course, I couldn't prevent the uh, customer issues I saw heading our way. So my lesson was logic makes people think, but emotion makes them act. You have to put it in their self-interest. That is a great lesson, and uh, the radio station is working on getting a gong sound, which eventually, ladies and gentlemen, loyal listeners, you know that I talk about that frequently on Critical Mass. I'd love to have one because I would... Bring it right there, Lisa, because I, I, um, I like these teachable moments that are transferable knowledge. That's why I, that's what peer learning is all about, ladies and gentlemen. And Lisa just gave you one. And if for any of those people that are entrepreneurs building a business and you've got to be out selling, you know, it's important to understand what the benefits of your product are. But people buy many times for an emotional connection to you or to your products or to the benefit of your product. So thank you for giving a, a teachable moment to our audience, Lisa. I appreciate it. No problem. All right. I'm a big believer that we are about to see, for a variety of reasons, a rebirth of manufacturing across these United States. I, we're beaming from Southern California, and I'm seeing seeds of it here even in Southern California, and Orange County in particular. Then I'm wondering if you might share that belief or if you could talk about, from your perspective, kind of what does the future potentially hold manufacturing companies, which admittedly, Lisa, have been hit hard over the past 10-plus years or even longer. I kind of go back to the 70s in the automotive industry when they got hammered by imports and the business changed, and the steel industry before that or during that same time. But anyway, this isn't a history lesson. Let's talk about the future. What do you see a rebirth in manufacturing in the U.S.? Do you agree with what I said? Oh, I absolutely agree. I'm seeing the same thing, uh, probably for two reasons. One is that the total cost view when comparing to China is starting to uh, align. And so over the next two years, there's been studies performed uh, by Harvard and others that show that those lines are coming close to crossing. 
And so the, with the cost difference not as significant, companies are starting to look at it. Also, service is more and more important in today's economy. They want, customers want products faster. Of course, they need it delivered consistently, but if you can deliver it even 5% faster, I'm seeing that those clients are gaining extra business. And so service is, is key and lead times are key. And so there's another reason why sourcing closer to home and insourcing manufacturing is going to gain popularity. I had a uh, Apex, my Southern California Apex chapter had an ex annual, its annual executive panel and networking symposium a couple of months ago. And our topic this year was the resurgence of manufacturing, manufacturing and distribution in Southern California. And those executives uh, felt the same way. I think um, the pendulum swings, and, I, and again, I kind of alluded to what happened to the automotive industry in the 70s, and I'm sure I haven't gone back to do this, but I'm sure if you went back and read the popular business publications at the time, there was probably an overreaction to what was going to happen to the U.S. automotive industry as far as market share, profitability, employment, and admittedly, you know, they don't control as much of the market as they used to, the big three used to. But if you look at the quality of the product on the road and the performance of GM and other U.S.-based automotive companies, they were able to improve and respond to foreign competition. I think we overreacted to the influence of China and how it was going to always be. Now, I don't, they fundamentally have changed our manufacturing vision of the world. But I just heard today on the radio that the exports... Uh, that part of what we were reporting is a better balance of trade, which means we were exporting more because U.S. products are desirable in other countries because of the implied quality and um, value associated with U.S.-made products. I, I don't think you have to be a global, international company to consider exporting as a growth strategy for even mid-sized manufacturing companies. Is that your experience, Lisa, that mid-sized manufacturing companies can realize top-line revenue growth from considering exporting their products? Oh, absolutely. A few of my clients and some of the panelists I referred to are gaining significant volume uh, with export business. Uh, one of them had a 30% growth from this January to last January, he thought it was a fluke, and then he had the same growth level in February versus last <laughs> February. <laughs> yeah. And his his business is largely focused on export. Uh, there's uh, there's undoubtedly an opportunity. Another thing that came out in a conference I went to recently on focused on manufacturing in Southern California is that made in the USA and actually made in California are extremely popular, and so it's another reason that the export market is booming. And if you can manage your supply chain, you know, you talked about responsiveness. Distance is an issue in managing supply chain, especially when you cross time zones, especially when you change languages, and especially when you change cultures. These are things that you may not see when you look at a price, a bid, but you realize shortly after you make a decision to extend your supply chain across multiple time zones, and as I said, into different countries and cultures, isn't it? It's a challenge. It's a cost of doing business that doesn't show up on the quote, but it's very real. Absolutely. And when I said that the total cost was coming in alignment, that's not just the uh, base cost, to your point. A lot of these hidden costs pop up quicker than we'd like, but 
there's there's all sorts of hidden costs when you uh, have when you're dealing uh, globally with different cultures and different languages and IP challenges, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, the Port of Los Angeles is doing a lunch and learn on how to export on Thursday, September 26th, and this radio station, OC Talk Radio, is a media sponsor, and uh, you can learn more about it, ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested, by going to the website legalports.com. So to support what Lisa's saying, I encourage every company I consult with, everyone that is on the radio show, to consider exporting, and sometimes... Jokingly, I, I say to them, exporting doesn't have to be to Europe or Asia. It can be to Canada. It can be to Mexico. It can be in the same hemisphere that we're in. It's just get c- accustomed to how do you ship your product outside the U.S. borders, and then you can take on the world once you build some level of expertise. You know, you kind of walk before you run. Absolutely. And it's another re- place where supply chain partners come in to be really valuable because you, you don't have to know every aspect of how to export successfully if you have if you align yourself with the correct uh, transportation carriers and brokers and supply chain partners you're going to uh, you know collaborate so you have a win 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 that's true too because if you have a, a supplier it's such a that's such a great point and that's another way a best practice to use your supply chain to help you beyond thinking traditionally you know price and delivery and quality there's other things that your supply chain is very willing to do to help you if you just ask. Yeah, absolutely. I find that that's, that is the key, just asking. Right. Can you stay with us a little bit longer, Lisa? We, My uh, engineer is telling me I need to take our third commercial sponsor. And I had a couple other things I wanted to ask you about. Can you stay with me a little bit longer? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. All right. That's good news, ladies and gentlemen. Lisa Anderson, president and founder of LMA Consulting Group, is going to stay with us a little bit longer here on the Critical Mass Manufacturing Show. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back in 30, in, excuse me, in 60 seconds, and I've got a couple more questions on the radio program. We'll be back after these words from our sponsors. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Live radio, ladies and gentlemen, here on octalkradio.net, broadcasting you from their state-of-the-art studios, which we still have to do a little more training to the board staff on, but no problem here in tech space in beautiful Costa Mesa. You know, the demographics of our radio show are 98% business owners and executives, and they listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching top decision-makers here in Orange County and Southern California, as well as around the country, but with a heavy emphasis on Orange County and Southern California, then advertising on our radio show may be the best answer. 
Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our programs. We deliver over 20,000 highly targeted sponsors' impressions a month. If you'd like to learn more about advertising on Critical Mass radio shows, then talk to our advertising department. Call 949-887-4104. That's 949-887-4104. All right, let's get back to my interview with Lisa Anderson, president and founder of LMA Consulting Group. Lisa, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about, I'm going to go off script here for a minute. Let's talk a little bit about the influence from your perspective that Toyota has had on global manufacturing. Is it your sense that they've had any influence on the manufacturing practices of other companies around the world? Oh, undoubtedly. Uh, Toyota is the founder of Lean with the Toyota production system. And so the starting to think about how to eliminate waste and involve your customers uh, in the decision-making process and involve your employees in the process uh, stems from the Toyota manufacturing system. And where did Toyota come up with the basic tenants that underpin the Toyota production system? Well, I think that it came out of necessity. From my understanding, they, uh, to your points earlier today, there's only so much space and uh, so much cash, and so they and they knew that they needed to produce quality cars in the first run, and so they uh, came up with what what made sense to make that happen. And those became the tenants of the Toyota manufacturing system. Any manufacturer that hasn't looked at Lean or Six Sigma or any of the kind of components of a, of a Toyota model really should find a book, do some basic research, Google it online, uh, I think any size manufacturing company can get immediate value from learning a little bit about what is inside the Toyota manufacturing, Toyota production system, and trying to apply some of the basic principles to their business. If you get very far into that process, I would highly encourage all manufacturers and value-added distributors to find experts in the industry because there's so much domain knowledge that these individuals possess that it, it, you just couldn't learn it. You're, I mean, you wouldn't, you'd be less efficient if you tried to learn it yourself. You're more efficient throwing some money at some consultants and experts and helping them figure out how to implement in your business because you'll get the benefit so much more quickly and the return on the investment is, in my experience, through the roof. Yeah, I find, I find that's true. My only caution would be is, and this is not just true of Lean, but it's true of any large-scale program. Implementing a system, a new ERP system, implementing Lean, implementing sales and operations planning, any large program like that, what I find sometimes happens is that executives believe that that will solve their issues. And so they're thinking that the training program or the course will solve the issue. And all of those that I mentioned are really about changing cultures and about uh, changing processes and a different way of thinking. And so it's, it's more of a, uh, a culture change than a training experience. And that's why Tone at the Top, you're absolutely right. And, that, and I think that's why Tone at the Top is so important because to really get the benefit out of these new practices and processes, you have to want to realize you need to change and then to make change a positive, not a negative, and be willing to stay with it a little bit longer than maybe you would want to 
to really see the value of it. And if the leader doesn't support it and isn't leading the parade on lean or whatever the improvement process is, I find it's very difficult for middle managers and supervisors to effectively implement it to the level that it could be if they don't have the leader's support. Oh, absolutely. I've seen that happen countless times, and it's it's uh, frustrating when it doesn't work even though the tenants are, exist, but if, if the top doesn't support it. And support isn't just saying support. It's it's making the hard hard calls. Uh, that come along with any of those types of programs. Yeah, it's not just writing the check and agreeing, okay, this is a good expense and I'm, I'm going to wait to see the results. It is getting involved culturally in the program and understanding how how subtle but yet powerful some of the changes have to be. And it's good knowledge to have as a leader of a manufacturing company. You want to be totally involved in these improvement processes. I'm sure you require that too, Lisa, when you're working with your clients on the various projects and programs that you're able to help them with. Tone at the top is a critical element in the success of the program. Oh, absolutely. I start with the top, and we get uh, aligned on our path forward before uh, proceeding. Because uh, once once we're aligned and we know what our strategy is and we know what you know likely issues are going to arise and pitfalls that we can do our best to avoid, then um, I find that that's the heart of execution. I'd say 70, 80% of the time, strategies don't fail in formulation. They fail in implementation. And so that's the same with, you know, thinking lean's a good idea is one thing, but then making it happen is another. So that that goes straight back to uh, executing and tone at the top. All right. I said earlier in the show I was going to ask you to share with our audience how they can, one, find LMA Consulting Group Incorporated online, and two, uh, maybe get a copy of your book. How would they do those two things, Lisa? Well, you'll find me at www.lma-consultinggroup.com. And you'll also find me, of course, on LinkedIn at Lisa Anderson, LMA. And I also have uh, LMA Consulting Group Incorporated uh, as a company on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, you'll find me on Twitter as well and and, uh, Facebook. And from getting a copy of my book, once you get to my website, www.lma-consultinggroup.com, there's links to purchasing my book on both Amazon and iTunes. I've been excited to have you on the program since you agreed to be our guest a while ago. Uh, You've you've exceeded my expectations. And one of the things that we're going to do here with the manufacturing show in the future is get kind of a roundtable. I have the ability here in the brand-new studios of octalkradio.net to have more than one guest in the studio and so I'd like to have you back in the not too distant future maybe we'll find another person who compliments your knowledge and we could have a roundtable conversation about all things manufacturing supply chain and others would you be open to doing that oh it sounds like fun all right ladies and gentlemen I'd like to thank Lisa Anderson founder and president of LMA consulting group for sharing just a little bit about what she knows as it relates to various areas that can benefit manufacturing companies Thank you for being a friend of the program. Welcome to our Critical Mass community, and I look forward to having you on a future episode of our manufacturing show. Great. I look forward to it as well. Okay. Thank you, Lisa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I love things manufacturing, and people who are involved in it are um, so interesting to me. There's so much to learn about doing it right in manufacturing and so many ways to improve the performance of the business. Um, We're just scratching the surface here on the Critical Mass manufacturing show 
We're going to bring you, each time we have the show twice a month, quality guests like Lisa Anderson and others to come. So please stay tuned and continue to tell friends about the show live and the downloads. I'd like to thank our engineer for today. He is Paul Roberts. I'd also like to thank our guest coordinator, Kathleen Shepard. Our production and producer, uh, sorry, our producer is Rachel Franzi. And our marketing communications manager is none other than Kelly Faltis. I'm your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass, the manufacturing show, right here on OCTalkRadio.net.